great to have you here with us this morning on this beautiful day. I don't know whether you've noticed a, um, a, a, a trend in society. More and more people seem to be giving themselves to a hope that their redemption is found in uh, the acceptance of others or in maybe in the adoration of others. And you can see that in very acute form. A lot of television programs nowadays giving themselves to this. Uh, in the idea that somewhere out there, there is my soulmate, that there is the one, you know. And if I could find the one, if my perfect match could be realized in my life, that person would complete me. That person would give me a great sense of satisfaction that filled the emptiness and the confusion in my soul and I would live happily ever after. Today, uh, we're going to have a look at a very interesting character in the Bible. And we're going to see, I believe, what's behind this. We're going to see why so often it ends in disillusionment. And we're also going to find out as we traverse our way through the story, how real hope is realized and placed as a foundation in our life. The person that we're going to study this morning is an ancient but modern figure. You'll see why I say that. His name is Jacob. Uh, he has this incredible need to be accepted, to uh, be affirmed and approved by others, to steal their blessing even, if you will. He seems to be looking in redemption in the acceptance of others. Now, he was the grandson of a key figure in Jewish history, a fellow by the name of Abram, Abraham, changed his name. And Abram received a promise from God that through his lineage that the world would see salvation. There's a real clue there. And uh, Jacob happens to be part of that line. And we're going to see today how another figure also becomes part of that line. We're going to find redemption in the line because you can trace it right the way back from Jesus through to the initial promise that came from Abraham that came to Abraham. Um, this guy Jacob is the second son of uh, of a family, and uh, his father seems to prefer his brother Esau. So he's very much the second son in that sense that the father loved the brother, although he certainly seemed to have the a special relationship with his mother. And with his mother's approval on his father's deathbed, he goes in, tries to steal the blessing of his brother. Now, initially it backfires and Jake runs, Jacob runs. Uh, he runs for his life, really. His brother's going to kill him. He has no money. Uh, he never sees his mother again. That's it. He leaves his father's house in a panic uh, and never lays eyes on the one who loved his soul, his mother, ever again. He runs to a relative's house, a fellow by the name of Laban, and there he um, puts himself to work helping his father, and uh, his uncle, I should say. And, and we're going to pick up the story where Laban says to him in verse 15 of Genesis 29, you shouldn't work for me without pay. That's fair enough. Just because you're relative, I don't want to take advantage of you. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now, Laban 
interestingly has a family the inverse of his sister he has two daughters she had two sons of which Jacob was one Laban has two daughters the older daughter whose name was Leah the younger one was Rachel uh, now there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes but Rachel it says was beautiful she, she was gorgeous drop dead gorgeous had a beautiful figure a lovely face this translation that we're reading other translations also tend to indicate that she was just a beautiful person as well so she was a stunner to the eye but also an incredibly lovely person in the heart and when Jacob saw her Jacob was in love since Jacob was in love with Rachel he told her father I will work for you for seven years if you give her uh, if you'll give me Rachel your younger daughter as my wife agreed Laban replied I'll give I, I'd rather give her to you than anyone else sustained work with me so Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel but his love was so strong that it seemed that seven years seemed like just a few days let's just give some background here uh, experts tell us that a usual dowry uh, for a, for a uh, this is important for you Justin this morning that uh, <laughs> that a uh, prospective um, husband would pay for his bride would be uh, about 30 to 40 shekels now to give you some context to 30 to 40 shekels it was approximately somewhere between one write this down one and two years wages one to two years wages is what you would pay your father-in-law to be for the privilege of marrying his daughter now Jacob has just offered seven years wages this is a very clear sign that Jacob is out of his cotton picking mind. <laughs> right? This is ridiculous. This is absurd. Right? The standard is about 18 months or so, 20 months or so wages. He's just gone in on the first offer. Right now, he was known as a bit of a wheeler dealer, right? He was known as a bit of a, a, a supplanter, you know. He 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 uh, he just sort of stole his brother's birthright. But here he is going in on his first offer at seven years, when a, a, an eighteen months, maybe a twelve month offer would have been fair enough. First up, this shows us that this man has lost perspective. He's lost any sense of reality. Why is he so emotionally and physically overwhelmed by this girl, Rachel? That's a very good question. And I will suggest to you, the reason for it is this, that his mother, he's lost his mother. He loved his mum. He was rejected by his father. He felt that his entire life. His brother wants to kill him. Anyone thought their family was a mess? Uh, this guy's family is an absolute mess. And he had this thought, this idea, and this is the thing. If I could just get Rachel, my life would be full. If I could just get my hands on her, if I could just have a Rachel, then I'm sure I would be okay. He's looking 
for redemption in the form of this young girl, Rachel. And he's prepared to pay any price for it. Now, before you think, oh, well, he's just a desperate man. I've met a lot of them in my life, she might say. Uh, Before you kind of write that off, I want to suggest to you this morning that there is on the inside of every human being a desire for a spiritual satisfaction. And we look for it, wrongly so, deceptively so, but we look for it in this idea that out there is the one. That if I can find my Rachel, then that will offer to me redemption of my heart. There's an academic, a sociologist, his name is Howard S. Becker. Now, he's not a Christian particularly, but he's a very well-studied and versed man in human interactions. And this is what he says. This is interesting, but he says this. He says, we need to feel that our life matters. Often we want to merge it with a life of some higher meaning. And if we don't have God, how do we do this? The answer is, he calls it the romantic solution. The answer is we find somebody that our heart is lost in the notion of romance with. I suggest what he observes is the exact situation that we find here now with Jacob. He says we want to get rid of our feeling of nothingness, of the hurt, the pain, We want redemption. We want a hope. And he says we find it in the arms of another person. Now, before you dismiss this too quickly, this is a profound, deep human longing. We need some stats in a minute that blew me away. I don't know how they'll affect you. But this is a profound, uh, deep human longing. It goes on and says this. We'll continue to read from the narrative. It says, finally... The time come for him to marry her. I have filled my agreement, Jacob says to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Not a good move, I suggest. If you're listening here this morning, and please, no aspersions to my right, but uh, if you're a young man wanting to marry a beautiful young woman, don't go to her father and say, give me your daughter so I can have sex with her. Don't do that. He doesn't want to know it, all right? He hopes you have a child. He doesn't care how, he doesn't think about how it happens. Trust me, I know. (laughs) What is this? This is crazy. This is, did you know that this is true? Jewish scholars have been perplexed over this verse for hundreds of years. Because this is just so out of kilter. This This is so not in keeping with decorum. This is not customary. In this culture, that, that a young man would go up to his future and father-in-law and say that. I wouldn't. It, it does show just where this guy's mind is at. Um, there's a, sep- a deception about to take place. So Laban, the next verse, Laban invites everyone in the neighborhood and prepares a winning feast. But that night, when it was dark... Laban took Leah, the sister, the older sister, to Jacob, and he slept with her. Now, just try to put yourself in the situation here for a moment, okay? In this culture, the wedding, um, uh, the marriage moment, the, the bride is wrapped in all of her marriage garb, 
difficult to tell the identity. It's late at night. They've probably been drinking all afternoon, so they're not sharp as they might have been. He goes into a tent with this woman. It's dark. There's certainly no electric light. The tent probably very little, if no light at all. So he can't see the person that he's with. And the verse 25, it says this, and this is a really important little verse. It says, when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah! <laughs> Explanation mark. You see that? <laughs> he woke up in the morning and he got a shock. <laughs> this was not the woman that I married. At least that I thought that I had married. What is going on here? See, there's an incredible lesson here that I want to just sort of hang out on this little phrase for a moment Um, because every time you think you know Jacob thought that his redemption would be found in this Rachel every time you think that your redemption is found in a person in a postcode every time you think your redemption is found in a uh, uh, in a in a in a job or something this world provides for you you eventually wake up and realize this wasn't the one I thought it to be this didn't do what I had expected it to do for me and the truth is and I think everybody in this room knows whether or not you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not if you could look deep into your soul you would realize that nothing in this world can satisfy it. Nothing in this world fills the God-shaped hole on the inside of every human being. Now, now, that's not to say that marriage can't be great. And that's not to say that your job may not be enjoyable. And that's not to say that you might go on a beautiful trip and, you know, the scenery was lovely. The point is this. That if you're pinning your hopes on that to the level that we see this young man pinning his hopes on Rachel, you will wake up in the morning, you will wake up one day only to find that your hopes have been dashed. And this was not what you expected. And what do you do? There's a couple of options, really. I mean, you either continue on this inane pursuit of throwing that one aside and trying to grab something different. Well, when you're done with that, you either then decide, well, that's it. I'm angry. I'm mad at the world. Uh, The world deceived me. The world told me that if I could achieve this, if I could get that, that would satisfy. And now I've got this and found out that it hasn't solved the longing in my heart. And you just become cold and callous. And you kind of think, don't mistake me for somebody who cares. Or... You look on Instagram and you think everyone else has got a Rachel and I'm stuck with this. (laughs) Everybody else has got what their heart desired and I'm stuck with something that wasn't quite what I was hoping for and you just feel like a failure. You just feel like, well, I don't really matter. I'm useless. And you write yourself off as somebody who's not in the league with everybody else. You look around the room think everybody else has got it together but me. And it's easy to draw those kind of conclusions because you either just harden up or you get broken and destroyed I can't think of any other options this particular instance Jacob raged at Laban what have you done he said he was livid he was angry he'd been tricked he'd been deceived 
How does, how does he think he's going to get away with this? And, and yet the anger melts on his lips. You've got to see this. He, he rages at Laban. Laban's response cuts to the quick. And the anger melts in a moment. Have a look at this. It's not custom here, he says, to marry off the younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. What was like a spear to his heart. Because he knows full well that in his own life, he's tried to steal what was the rightful possession of the firstborn. (laughs) If anybody knows the history of this man, that would have just been like a, 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 a clonk over the head. And Laban replies, but wait till your bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too. Provide your promise to work for another seven years. He had done exactly to me what I'd done to my father, Rachel would have been thinking. He reached out in the dark and grabbed somebody of mistaken identity. And my father reached out in the dark. His father was blind when he went in to steal the birthright from his older brother. His father reached out in his blindness, in his darkness, and grabbed somebody who he thought was somebody else. Isn't it funny? But it's true how we so often get angry at other people for exactly what's in us. At least Jacob has the foresight of seeing it and his anger disappears. I mean, you could hear an argument in the tent before he came out to meet Laban. I called out Rachel. Why didn't you tell me you were Leah? Why didn't you respond? And Leah may have well replied, well, your father called out Esau. And what's your excuse? And Jacob has no argument. He, he, he has been caught, as it were. Anyhow, he works for seven years more. And, and uh, it says in verse 30, so, Ra- so Jacob sleeps with Rachel as well and loved her more, much more than Leah. Then he stayed and worked for Laban for an additional seven years. Leah looked to her husband. We're going to see this in a moment. Leah looked to her husband to complete her. Leah's salvation, because she'd grown up. Imagine, you know, you're living with a supermodel and somehow all the good genes finished up on her. And when you walk into a room, all eyes are on her. And when anybody speaks, everybody listens to her. And you've lived with this your entire life. For this woman, Leah, we're going to see her her salvation was going to be in the idea that she could be married, have children, and be a valued member of society. She was looking to her husband for redemption. Her husband was looking to Rachel. I mean, this is a really confusing love triangle. Her husband was looking to her sister for his redemption. Now, Now, no one admits this. We don't admit this. Uh, we keep this very close to our heart. What I'm talking about this morning is, is not something that anybody, I think, is going to enter into conversation with anybody else about. This is such a deeply held secret. But I read in the paper this week to my gobsmacking amazement, to be honest with you. Um, in the Courier Mail, reading just as I'm reading through the newspapers is my daily habit, I came across this stat. Uh, there is a, a, a website out there called Ashley Madison that you sign up to if you want to have an affair on your marriage partner. 
In other words, you've married them and you've realized they haven't satisfied the longing in my heart. I'm looking for redemption in the arms of somebody else. And, and the article suggested that 25,000 Australians are signing up to it every week and it currently has half a million Australians on its books. <laughs> That's one in every 50. <laughs> like, and, 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 and I'm suggesting this is the extreme. Right? I'm suggesting this is the extreme end of the pool has one in every 50 Australians. I mean, back that back a little bit from the extreme and, and I imagine the stats go up, if you know what I'm saying. So what, what we're talking about here this morning is very real. That's why I'm saying Jacob is an ancient figure, but he's a very modern figure. That he's looking for redemption in the arms of somebody else like such a strong percentage of the Australian population in the 21st century. And here's the truth, folks, and this is, I need you to hear this this morning. When you look to a person to make you, two things will happen. You will crush them and destroy yourself. If you think your redemption lies in the arms or in a relationship with another human being, if you somehow think you need that person or you need that relationship to offer you solace, redemption, if, if you will, you're going to destroy yourself and you're going to crush that person. No human relationship can carry the burden of God and offer you redemption. If you need to feel that validation, if you need to feel that sense of, I matter, then it's offered to you in God. Leah was lovely girl, no doubt, beautiful uh, person, but lived her entire life in the, in the shadow of her absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, stunning sister. Now, I want to suggest to you, she's living in hell. If you want to know about hell a bit more, you need to get the podcast from last Sunday night when we described hell and how you get there. Rachel now, I was want to suggest, is, is in a living hell. Wouldn't this be a living hell? I mean, think about this. You're looking for redemption in this institution of marriage, in a husband, right? I matter because I have a husband and I have children. This is an ancient civilization. That's how I matter. I've lived all my life in the shadow of this sister who, sure, I love her, but I just can't stand her. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the competitiveness would, would be palpable. That every time she walks into the room, I just disappear into opaqueness. And now I live every day watching the man I love in the arms of my competitor. And this is my lot Day in, day out. Ladies, is this hell? This has got to be hell. This girl is in a living hell. But stay with me because we're about to find redemption. We're about to find the way out of hell. If you think your life is a living hell, you're about to find a way out. Verse 31. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
She named him Reuben. It's just, this tells us so much about this woman, so much about the situation. It is incredible. The, the author gives us so much insight, just a few brush strokes, if you will, of words. Uh, it named, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. You see that? You hear that cry there? I've given him a son. Surely, surely that will get him. And if you notice here, this, this, on, uh, the idea of Reuben is to know, the Lord has noticed my misery. The, Lord, the word Reuben means to notice, to see. And what's she saying here? Now I've given my husband a son. Surely he'll now see me. Hello, I'm like the person in the room. Does anybody know I'm here? Hello, I'm supposed to be a wife, you know. You're supposed to love me, but you look right through me. Now I've given you a son. Surely now you'll see me. Surely now you'll notice me. Perhaps not so, because it goes on and says, soon she became pregnant again and gave birth to another. She named him Simeon, for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Simeon means to be heard. So what's she saying? Same thing again. Surely my husband will see me. Now she's saying, surely my husband will hear me. Right? It won't be just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, whatever, 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 whatever. Whatever you say, I don't really listen to what you have to say. I'm not all that interested in, in your opinions and, and communicating with you. So I'm just, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> I drink every golden word that drops from her gold, her precious lips, you know. <laughs> well, I'm just over there. Bah, 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 bah. Surely now I've given him two sons. Surely my words matter. Surely he will see me. Apparently not because <laughs> she becomes pregnant a third time. She gives birth to another son. She doesn't call him Levi. For she said, there's a lot in this, listen. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. You hear this cry for redemption? I'm looking to be validated and completed in my husband. Surely now I've given him three sons, the perfect number of boys. How much better than this does it get? Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. Since I've given him three sons, and the word Levi means to be attached. So what's this pathway for this woman? It's kind of like, hello, my husband, do you see me? Do you hear me? Is there an attachment between us? Is there a connection there? She's looking for redemption. He's looking for redemption in the sister. What a mess love triangle we have. I want him to love me and he's just drinking at the well of this girl who's been my competitor my entire life. She's handling her pain exactly the same way Jacob handled his. And may I suggest to you exactly the same way millions upon millions of 21st century Aussies right today are handling their pain. Somebody out there, somebody who will love me, somebody who can put their arms around me, even if only for a minute. 
The key to redemption, folks, is in the next verse. This verse shows a complete change in the perspective of Leah. This verse shows us Leah's redemption. It is a showstopper. It's a collar grab. This is remarkable. The key to redemption is found in the fourth child. And I'm not talking about a coffee on Brisbane Street. <laughs> boom, boom. There it is. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Once again, anyone who's listening online has no idea what that joke means. I apologize. <laughs> You're not in this switch. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. Did you see that? No mention of a husband whatsoever. <laughs> At that point, she stopped having children. You see, what Leah had done is what so many people do. She'd made an idol out of her family. And it doesn't really matter which way you go. You can make an idol out of the perfect family value. You know, you might define Christian value. Mum, you know, dad and the children. You can make an idol out of that and hope that somehow that will complete you. Or you can go the other way and make an idol out of hedonism. You know, whatever fills my pleasurable desire right now. I'll grab this and whatever my heart wants right now. Either way you go, it doesn't really matter. You'll wake up one day and realize that didn't satisfy. Leah's had three kids. She's got to the end, if you will, of her path in this direction. Life hadn't gone as she planned. It hadn't worked out the way that she thought it would. And what was the answer? Please note this, folks. Please note this. She took what was the deepest adoration of her life and she placed it from her family onto God. <laughs> See, she had been, she, she got her life back. Her life had been stolen by Laban, her father. Her life had been stolen by Jacob, her husband. And now she's got her life back. Now she becomes a person in her own right. She wasn't completed by her husband. She wasn't validated by her father. She now recognizes that I am complete before God. And she praises him. Now the author of this book, the book of Genesis knew something that Leah never knew. And the reason I know that he knew it is because he alludes to it in chapter 48. He knew that through Judah, right, the offspring, the redemptive offspring of Leah would come the redemption of the world. That though Abraham was going to be, you know, the... Uh, uh, the father, if you will, of Christ in that, that, that lineage sense. And all the different directions it could have gone because all of the offspring, all of the offsprings of the offspring and on, on it down it goes. God chose Leah. God chose Judah to bring redemption into the world, not just for Leah, but for you and for me. This was where our redemption was found. When we took our deepest adoration, the thing that 
is most passionate in our heart. The thing that when we don't get or when people talk about causes us to become emotional because somehow we think if I could go there, if I could get that, if I could have them, then I would be somebody. She got over that. She found her redemption was in the Lord. She became the mother of Jesus. Why? Because God goes for the underdog? (laughs) No, I don't think so. No. Because God is not some strong, mighty God that says you need to be strong and virtuous yourself to climb the ladder and meet me at the top. No. The moral of this story is this. Morals don't get you into God's story, but brokenness of heart will get him into yours. Not strength of character and and, and an opinion somehow causes you to get to the good life. But brokenness will see the good life come to you. Jesus said, I will live your life. I will die your death. If you're weak enough here today to acknowledge that, then you are weak enough or strong enough to find a saviour. If you think that, hey, I can be saved by the offspring of Leah. I can be saved by Jacob and Leah's boy, Judah, who was, in a sense, the father of Jesus. You understand my my point there. If, If we can acknowledge that and say, you know, that's good enough for me, then salvation is at your door. I'm not saying... That's a a bad thing, obviously, to marry. Getting married is a good thing, Naomi, so stay positive. (laughs) Getting married is a good thing. And friendships are great. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're important. You, You must understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about weight here. I'm saying if you look for those things to make you, if you look for those things to redeem you, then you're going to end up one or two ways you're going to end up broken and defeated or hard and bitter because that's the only way to deal with the fact that those things constantly let you down but redemption is found it's demonstrated us to here by this incredible woman Leah who finally recognized I'm not made valuable by a man I'm not made valuable by what I've been able to give birth to. But my value is simply tied up in my relationship with Him. And I will praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 